Uh, Father, thank you so much for a beautiful day. Thank you for your word. I ask that you would help us to um, love your word and love studying about you and, and seeing how you formed the early church and what it means to our lives and, and what it looks like to be your follower. I ask that you would help uh, me to stay focused on a task uh, and to work through the sermon. I say you'd open our hearts to ways that you may be challenging us and reforming us. Um, and we praise you for being so wonderful. Uh, thank you for the book of Galatians and the challenges that they work through um, that we can learn from in our modern day and, and see how we can apply it. And we love you in your name. Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter three, verses one through four. Um, let's start in verse four. Uh, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, before we, we begin to pick this thing apart, I think it's important to remind ourselves what has been happening so far, uh, because some of us are new, some of us uh, may have forgotten, some of us missed a week or two, and, and so I just want to recap uh, how we've ended up here very quickly. Uh, if you read through the book of Acts, uh, in chapters 13 and 14, you'll find in those chapters the formation of the Galatian churches, uh, multiple churches in that region, uh, which is pretty cool if you think about this, because you're seeing the gospel spring up in a region where the people have never heard of it before, completely unreached people groups. Uh, and you're watching the very first churches begin to form. And in those chapters, you see Paul go first to the Jewish population and tell them about Christ. And some of the, the Jewish people heard the gospel and they loved it and they were excited and they began to follow Jesus while others despised Paul and the gospel, causing Paul then to go to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish population, and tell them about the good news of Jesus. And what you have happening is not just the gospel going to an unreached people group, but now you have two very different people groups uh, with different traditions and cultures and values forming one community. Um, and it's all centered around the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that sounds pretty cool, right? Um, all these different kind of people groups coming together, all have in common the gospel. And it is cool. Um, and it's also not cool because it's extremely difficult. Uh, the fact that, that uh, every people group and tribe and language can be united through the gospel is a beautiful thing. The problem is that when we come into the church, we all come with our own baggage. And what happened with the Galatian churches that there was a group of Jewish Christians uh, called Judaizers. So these are Jewish people who follow Jesus, uh, love the gospel, uh, but they got something wrong. And they decided that since the law was given by God, that you could not be a follower of God and not fulfill the law. So they decided that the Gentiles all needed to be circumcised if they wanted to follow Christ. And that's what Paul is addressing. And in chapter three, Verse one, he says, oh, you foolish Galatians. And verse four gives them two reasons for their foolishness. Um, let's let's reread it again. Verse four. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So the first thing they were giving reason number one, that they are foolish. They were giving up what they had suffered for. They were giving up what they had suffered for. So what did they suffer for? Uh, back in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 39, it says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, 
that through this man, that's Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from or freed by the law of Moses. And then verse 47 picks up, I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. These, these Gentile believers, they were suffering for the belief of being made righteous through faith in Christ rather than the works of the law. Okay, so, so reason number one in verse four is that they were giving up what they had suffered. So they are then deciding, you know what? Yeah, we do need to be circumcised in order to, to follow Jesus. It isn't just faith. It's faith plus circumcision. Uh, and then the, the second reason why it's foolish is the question is who's causing the suffering? Well, why are they suffering so much? And if, you, if you're a super nerd and you like to read old historical books about Galatians, uh, what you'll find is we don't see really any extra biblical evidence of persecution in the Galatian churches during that time. Uh, but we do have two internal clues in scripture. Uh, the first thing is we know, uh, the first thing we know is that Paul was stoned in Lystra in chapter 14. And Lystra is in the Galatian region. Um, and it's not a far leap to think that persecution that Paul experienced would also be poured out on the early church. So that's a possibility. It's also possible, and I think this is more likely, that Paul is speaking of the pressure from the Judaizers on the Gentiles to get circumcised. So these are Christians pressuring other Christians to do things that they don't necessarily need to do to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, and that brings some interesting questions for us. Uh, where we're at right now, we need to ask, what things does the Christian community make you feel like you have to do or be to be accepted by God? And then what do you place on others? What do you just instinctually think? Every Christian must do these things. Every Christian must look this way. So I'll read these questions again. What things does the Christian community make you feel like you have to do or be to be accepted by God? And what do you place on others? Is it a political leaning? Is it wealth or poverty? Is it a cause to get behind? Is it just the way you look or, or act, what, what do we immediately assume other Christians should do? And what do we feel pressured to look like and, and act and be ourselves? And for the Galatian church, that was circumcision. That's what their culture is struggling with in that Christian community. Do you have to be circumcised in order to actually love and follow Christ? Or do you have freedom just to have faith in Christ? Um, and these, these, I believe the Gentile believers suffering underneath the Judaizers had suffered for a long time for the sake of being made righteous in Christ. And now they were placing themselves back underneath the law, making all that suffering in vain. So the first point, Paul uses harsh language. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Paul's upset because they were giving up what they had suffered for righteousness in Christ alone. Uh, the second point in verses two and three, the reason why Paul's upset is they were not growing from where they started. Uh, verses two and three. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? 
Are you now being perfected by flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? How did you wake up to the reality of Christ? Uh, Where were you when, when God called you? How did you receive the spirit? Paul's giving us an argument that doesn't just relate to the Galatians. He's giving us one that inspans the entirety of scripture. Did God call you because of your good works? Did you do enough good things to earn salvation? Did did Jesus look down and say, I absolutely have to have Nick on my team because he's such a great guy? Or is the story different? And I think the argument is very clear in scripture. We were given the spirit. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? We were given the spirit by grace through faith. Matter of fact, the Bible goes to extreme lengths if you take time to to read through, let's say, just the Old Testament to show that people called in Scripture are total flops of human beings. They're just dumpster fires over and over and over again. Uh, Abraham, so the father of our faith, Father Abraham, who had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Um, He cheated on his wife and then gave her to other men multiple times to save his own skin because he was scared. The father of the faith, the one that that we are grafted into. Don't worry, God's going to use the man to create a nation, a nation to bless the world, but it's obviously not because of his good works. Noah drinks too much. Samson is likely a sex addict. David's a wife-stealing murderer. Jonah's really judgmental and refuses to spread the gospel. Peter hacks off a guy's ear and denies Jesus. Naomi's bitter. Mary, Jesus's own mom, doubts who he is and thinks he's a little crazy at one point in his life. Uh, Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Galatians, met Christ as he was going to persecute Christians. If anything, the Bible is not about our great morality. The Bible is about how God calls broken people who desperately need grace. And that's what I am. That's what Andy and John and Mike, that's what every follower of Jesus is. We are broken people who desperately need grace. And so Paul asks, did you receive the spirit because of your good works? And the answer is no. It's because of faith. And then Paul presses further. Look at verse three again. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, becoming a follower of Jesus by grace through faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so there's a a temptation to move from grace to works. Uh, And I think it's actually, uh, it's pretty natural. It's a normal temptation. I think it's because growing in Christ is painfully slow. Not only is it slow, but we do know that we are called to good works. And the spirit produces fruit in our lives. So the knee-jerk reaction is to say, I know I'm growing if I can do these good things or not do those bad things. And now listen, doing good things is not bad and avoiding bad things is good. Um, so, So how do you then know if you've switched from grace to works, if we're called to do good works, but that doesn't earn us our salvation? And I'll give you two, two ways, two questions to ask yourself. If you fear you've lost your salvation when you've sinned, you're trying to earn it through works. 
If you fear you've lost your salvation when you've sinned, you are trying to earn it through works. The second is, if you're trying to do good works, but you never feel good enough for God, you're trying to earn his love through good works. If you're trying to do good things, it's a good thing to do, but you never feel good enough. You never feel accepted. You never feel like God is looking at you and saying, this is my daughter. This is my son. Then you're trying to earn his love through works. And honestly, I struggle with both of those. I was just thinking about that last week where, man, if I get angry or I say something I shouldn't or whatever it may be, whatever sin there is. And I just, that's my knee jerk. It's like, ah, I'm not good enough for God. Like, what if, what if God looks at me? He's like, you're not good enough to be a, a pastor or a teacher. You're not good enough because you've got all this sin in your life. That's me trying to earn his love through works. That's me doubting his love for me because I have sinned rather than recognizing that I've already sinned. That's the state that he called me into. But there's this radical fear that we have of being wrong and not being accepted because of it, rather than the assumption that we already are, we're already broken. And God saves us. He gives us grace and we have faith. And the rest of the journey is in that premise, grace and faith. And Paul looks at the Galatian church and he looks at me and I bet many of us, and he asks, why would you turn to works when you were saved by grace through faith? That is foolish. So Paul is upset that they were giving up. He's upset because they were giving up, one, what they had suffered for, and two, that they weren't growing from where they started. They switched from grace to works. And then lastly, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that comes off harsh um, and mean, but it's what you do for those you love. So often we hear, harsh language and we assume, oh, this person's a monster rather than assuming sometimes harsh things develop from deep love. If my child runs into traffic, I don't say, wow, you are really fast. You're so fast. How'd you get so fast? No, I yell. Stop. Don't be foolish. You see that dead squirrel? Look how flat that dead squirrel is. You don't want to be the dead squirrel. Stop running into traffic. Actually, I've never said that to my kids, just so you know. I think if I did, they'd probably need counseling. They'll probably need counseling anyway. Um, but, but this is Paul's language. I, I would yell stop at my child and tell them to stop being foolish because I deeply care. And we would do that for our friends as well. And Paul's looking at the, the church and he's saying, you're running into traffic. Don't be foolish. So Paul's motivated by deep love and he uses harsh language, but he's also, I think, genuinely shocked. Look at verse one again. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, this does not mean that they literally saw Christ crucified. Actually, it's extremely unlikely that anybody in this region would have seen Christ crucified. This is campaign language. That word portrayed is like he put it up on a billboard. Like it was amazing. It was shocking. Everybody could see uh, Christ crucified as he was describing it to them. 
The gospel of Christ dying for them to make them righteous was so vivid and real and true that it was as if they had seen it with their own eyes. Matter of fact, in in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, Paul does go to the Gentiles and he tells them the good news. And it says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Paul is shocked because they had forgotten what they first loved. They had forgotten Christ crucified that made them righteous. They had forgotten the gospel. And forgetting the gospel always leads to works and works always leads to defeat. The law will only and always show you how short you've fallen from perfection. You were made right through Christ and you grow and mature through faith in Christ because he is the one who sets you free from sin and death. And for us, I think in turbulent times in our personal lives or in culture or as we struggle through sin, I think it's important for us to always remember Christ portrayed as crucified. It's always important to remember we go back as Christians, and we are set apart because our hope is not in what a great person I am. It's in the amazing work that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and in his resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful story of the gospel from mankind rebelling to you redeeming all things. And all of us are in different spots in our journey and we all struggle with different things and we're all broken. And sometimes we forget the gospel. And so Holy Spirit, as we leave two minutes for silent confession, I ask that you would show each one of us in our different situations, the things that you were trying to reform us uh, with, the things that maybe we have forgotten, the things that we need to change, but also remind us of your grace. And so, Holy Spirit, as we enter in silence, I ask that you would do that now.